Well, this is the fourth Sunday of Easter, and I'm sure you all remember that every year the fourth Sunday of Easter is Good Shepherd Sunday, right? Because we hear from the 10th chapter of John, right? Yeah, everybody knows that, right? Well, we hear a different section of the uh, 10th chapter of John. In year A, we hear, I am the good shepherd. In year B, we hear, I am the gate for the sheep. But this is the year we don't hear either of those. And we don't hear Psalm 23, but we'll sing it at communion time. Um, We don't hear Isaiah 40, like a shepherd, he leads his flock. But we do have some other references to sheep. Psalm 100, and this reading, our second reading is from Revelation. And I'd really like you to pay attention to three paradoxes in that reading. This is the same reading we hear on All Saints Day. Notice that the saints are wearing robes of white. They have been made white by being washed in the blood of the Lamb. That the people are going to be shepherded by a lamb. And that it is through receiving the life-giving waters that the tears are wiped away from our eyes. So pay attention to those things, and we will explore that. It's such a short gospel passage. It's over before you're ready for it, right? But this little gospel passage captures a lot of the major themes in the Gospel of John. Gail O'Day, who's a professor at the Candler School of Theology at Emory, suggests that this passage refers back to at least 33 previous passages in the Gospel of John about following Jesus, eternal life, the Good Shepherd, and Jesus' relationship with the Father. But there's something new in here, too. What does Jesus mean when he says that no one can take my sheep out of my hand and no one can take them out of the Father's hand? It means that no matter how far we may stray from God, no power in the universe can make God stop caring about us. We are all destined for heaven. If we desire to return to God, God will be there to hold us. The passage from Revelation was written to strengthen those Christians in Asia Minor who were suffering through persecutions. You will be part of that multitude, says John of Patmos. You will be the ones who wash their robes in the blood of the Lamb. You will be the ones for whom every tear has been wiped away. Although you cannot sense the presence of the Good Shepherd right now, God is holding you in his hand. And at the end of time, you will experience indescribable joy when God's hand and God's face is revealed to you. But we live in a world where most of the suffering we experience is not because of religious persecution. Most of our suffering seems pointless to us. Illnesses, accidents, complicated circumstances, and deaths. We as Catholics do not believe that God intends for us to suffer. We believe, however, that God is with us in our suffering. The countless multitude is worshipping the ultimate symbol of the God who suffers with us, the Lamb that was slain. Jesus Christ was made a pawn in the political machinations of the Romans and the Sanhedrin. He was abused, tortured, and killed. And through such suffering, he showed us that we should continue to be faithful to God, to believe that nothing can snatch us out of God's hand. The saints are the ones who are faithful to that belief. 
And what a week to speak about tragedies and suffering. In the past week, we have observed the anniversaries of some of the most horrific tragedies to happen in the United States in the past 20 years. Waco, Oklahoma City, Columbine, and Virginia Tech. And this year, we add to that the Boston Marathon bombings. How are we to react to such acts of violence and terrorism? How are we to react to such disregard for human life? We're allowed to be shocked, to be scared, to question why these men committed the horrific acts that they did. We're allowed to shake our fists at God in anger, like Job. Eventually, when we're ready to listen again, we'll recognize that God continues to hold us in his hand. The tragedy in Boston has hit a nerve with so many of us, as it has with me. I cherish the summer of 2008 when I lived and worked in Boston. I know a number of people who were within blocks of where the bombings occurred. And like lots of other people, I've been reacting with shock, fright, questioning, and anger. But some people have added another sentiment into their reactions, one that frightens me. One newspaper columnist wrote a beautiful piece on Tuesday, exploring the shock, the fright, the questioning, and the anger about the bombings in Boston. But after ending the column with the prayer, God rest the victims, he tagged on, may the guilty fry in hell forever. Ouch. If we feel such vengeance, can we at least recognize that it's an unchristian thought? Can we acknowledge such feelings to God and ask God to help us understand how we can learn to love our enemies? Now, before you dismiss me as a Pollyanna who sees the world through rose-colored glasses and thinks that Osama bin Laden would have turned out okay if he had received a few more hugs as a child, <laughs> let me tell you something. I understand that there may be times when we are called to defend ourselves with force. As an optical engineer, I designed an infrared sight for the XM-119 grenade launcher, which supposedly makes it 18 times more lethal. But we seem to be living in a world where the answer for everything is to fight fire with fire. Our world seems to become, be becoming more violent. The tragedies in Boston, Columbine, Virginia Tech, Waco, and Oklahoma City took many lives. But they are small compared to the numbers of people dying in Afghanistan, Iraq, the Congo, and Syria. Only God knows what's going to happen in North Korea. The tragedy in Boston makes one thing abundantly clear. We will never be able to stop all incidents of violence and terrorism. The fact of the matter is, we cannot control everything. Jesus Christ, King of the universe, taught us that it is better to stay true to the will of the Father than to seek vengeance. In our baptism, we were baptized into Christ's death. In the face of violence, we must continue to be as life-giving as Jesus was. The ways that the world has reacted to violence have only begotten more violence. Jesus Christ, the Lamb that was slain, encourages us to think creatively in how to bring about God's kingdom on the earth, a kingdom of peace, 
a kingdom where the concept of justice does not mean getting even with those who have hurt me. Then and only then will every tear be wiped away. Friends, Christian discipleship is hard work. And that brings us to the last thing that we must acknowledge on this Good Shepherd Sunday. Today is the conclusion of our RCIA process for the year. And so, if you're here, why don't you stand up? Jana, Sarah, I see the two of you, Ben, Lance, V, Kenny, Lucy, Scott, and Shelby. You can applaud for them. And you can sit down. After this Mass, we'll be gathering for a final celebration. We at Blessed John 23rd Parish have held you in our hands in a special way these past seven months. But none of us are God. Circumstances will soon take you on your separate ways. We send you with our love and our prayers. We hope that you have each gained a deeper sense of how much God loves you. We also pray that the Holy Spirit has given you the gifts to persevere in the faith, even when doing the right thing, the Christian thing, is the hard thing to do. We are God's people, the flock of the Lord. <laughs>